All right, you guys fire away. Deal with the, uh, as I've heard the other one, but our cameras, <coughs> the strengths and weaknesses of this draft. Yeah, I think that there's, um, you know, this, this draft is not um, any different than I think any of the last three years. You know, there's certain, uh, there's probably eight to ten players uh, at the top end that are true difference maker type quality uh, individuals um, at that, you know, next tier of guys where, uh, you're going to have solid starter level players. I think there's depth uh, at the offensive line. I think there's certainly depth at wide receiver and at the corner safety position. So it's a uh, it's a good draft in the mid round in that solid starter category for those guys. Ed, you said there's ten difference makers you believe in pretty much every draft. But that being the case, and people always like the fact that teams can move up. How do you weigh that against the future of multiple picks? And getting a difference maker in the top ten. Yeah, I think the goal the goal with any draft is is to get good football players. You know, and, and we view it as uh, every pick is an opportunity to improve your football team. So the more picks that you have, the more opportunities you have to get great players. Um, certainly, if there's a great player that's up there, and it makes sense uh, from a compensation perspective, um, you know, we'll look uh, at those avenues as well. But you know, philosophically, we like we have eight picks right now. We'd like to make eight picks or more, uh, not less. So when you say philosophically, if you can find a difference maker as opposed to a player that you hope can be a starter rather than you really believe can be a starter, how do you weigh that? In I, I think you weigh it. Those are the conversations that we have. And I mean, we're not at that point right now. We've got another round of meetings, um, you know, this afternoon, tomorrow, and the beginning part of next week where we'll really – from a strategy standpoint, really kind of set our plan of what we're going to do. You know, at this point right now, uh, our board is predominantly set. There's uh, some small adjustments that we'll make, uh, but in terms of the strategy of how we're going to approach it, that'll take place uh, at the end of this week, beginning of next week. Are you purely best available, or does there have to be a certain amount of need for now and the future, or do you just take the highest ranked guy regardless? Our, our philosophy is best player available for us. So it's, it's not just the best player available for the league. We, we grade and we set our board uh, for the Eagles. So it's according to our height, weight, speed parameters. It's according to how they fit in our system, how they compare to our roster. Uh, so it is the best player available, but it's the best player available for us. Okay, so you're really good at running back right now because of free agency. If there's a running back who fits your scheme, who you think is the best player where you're picking, you'll take? It wouldn't preclude us from taking a player that's there. Um, I think every situation is unique. Um, with that, it depends on the other players that are available at the board. Um, if, if you're looking at the board and you're looking at it horizontally, if there's, a, if there's a number of players that are in the same category at the same spot, you could defer to need at that perspective. But if, if the running back's the best player on the board and there's a huge drop off at other positions, I think you need to consider taking the best player if he fits for us. Can you just describe what your, your new role is and what your daily interactions are like uh, with Chip? Yeah, I think um, just from a big picture standpoint, my role, the way that I view it is I'm here to support the head coach. Um, so I think it's our responsibility. Everybody in the organization uh, is to support Chip and his vision. Um, my responsibility is obviously in the player personnel aspect of that. Um, no different than Derek's responsibility with the media um, or Greg's responsibility from an equipment standpoint. We're all here to support Chip. So. Uh, in terms of my day-to-day, -day, uh, I'm evaluating players for both the draft and free agency, uh, organizing our department, making sure that we're all speaking the same language, 
and that we're able to see players through the coach's eyes. And I think uh, Chip's done an unbelievable job of supplying us with that vision of what he wants this team to look like, uh, what he wants each position to look like, and it's our responsibility to identify and, and, and go get those players. When you look at the safety position, and obviously that, that's a position of need that a lot of people view you guys of having, when you look at a guy like Landon Collins, there, there's a lot of thought that he might not fit your scheme and, and what Bill Davis covets in, in a safety. How do you evaluate Collins, and would you draft a player at a position of need if he doesn't necessarily fit exactly what you are trying to do? Yeah, and I, I don't want to get into specific evaluations of specific players, but um, from a big picture standpoint, uh, again, we want players that fit for us. I'm not saying Landon Collins does or does not fit. There's a lot of things that Landon does well. There's some things that he struggles with, just like any other player in the draft. But um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll consider him. We'll discuss him. We we rank him accordingly. Um, but we want players that that fit our system. I'm not saying Landon does or does not fit, but. Uh, He's a good football player. Do the Eagles want to extend Sam Bradford before the start of the season? Uh, it's not. I'm not going to talk about the contract situation. I think it's you know more of an organizational um, philosophy that we're not going to discuss um, contract, whether it's extensions or terms. I mean, those conversations will be, will be between the player uh, and the agent. What's the hardest part of your job in the evaluation process for any of these guys? Uh, the hardest part in terms of part of the evaluation process for all the prospects is there one thing that is most difficult? I think it, yeah, it's probably it's probably the things that you can't see on film, um, which is really as we break the evaluation process down. Um, we've talked about this before. You know, it's really into three phases. You know, it's the size and speed for the position, it's their athletic ability to play the position, which are the critical factors in the position specifics, and the third part is the character, attitude, and intelligence. I think that's probably. Uh, the most difficult part because that's the unknown, you know, and you've got to spend a lot of time with these guys to figure out their wiring, their makeup, uh, what makes them tick, you know, do they fit in this culture and do they have the right football mentality and temperament to be a successful player. A lot of the things from an athletic standpoint you can see on tape, but the majority of the reason why guys fail, especially in the, you know, upper, you know, the higher portions of the draft, is it's, it's something from an intangible standpoint, whether it's the lack of love or passion for the game, uh, some sort of mental toughness uh, issue. So we're trying to dig in and find that. So that's probably the most difficult and I, I part. Saw, I saw Bruce Arians, and I'm sure other coaches said the same thing. Character overrides talent. And I understand Chip. If it comes down to that, how do you evaluate character over talent and his character better than talent. Yeah, I think that, that you're always going to have those conversations of character versus talent with every player. Um, and character is a big part of what we do. We want guys that are wired right and that fit. Um, but we're going to do our due diligence to make sure, um, you know, just because the ha guys had one indiscretion in his past doesn't make, you know, hit him an off-the-board candidate for us. Uh, we're going to make sure that we figure out, does this guy have the right makeup, the right mindset to be a great player? And I think from a big picture standpoint, you want guys that, that, that live their life the right way, that approach their job the right way, that's conducive to them being a really good football player. If they don't do those things, typically they're not going to be successful. Would you say in that regard, I mean, if you talk with Marcus Peters, are you allowed to kind of go into whether you feel you're comfortable with him as a person? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the specifics of that. We, yes, we've met with him. We've met with every player that's in this draft. Um, uh, and I mean, multiple meetings with all these guys, but I'm not going to go into specifics of any individual player. About how many guys do you think are there that you've already checked off because of character? No one is officially off our board at this point. Um, next week, uh, as we kind of finalize that process, there will be guys that, that will be 
considered off of our board, uh, but nobody has, has been pulled off to this point. You're not going to mortgage your future and you'd rather have more picks than less picks. But in that 8 to 10 in this draft, do you think there's anyone that's that transformative, that's that sure miss, that maybe you could be goaded into moving for them? Yeah, I think there, there certainly is, and, and we would consider that. I think it's, um, you know, you just got to, you know, value and, and weigh the opportunity cost, you know, you know with that. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we've had those discussions. We'll continue to have those discussions. Um, but if there's a player that we feel like makes sense that can really improve our team, that has a significant role for us next year, um, I, I think we'll certainly consider that. Safety, wide receiver, right guard, you lost starters at each of those spots. How do you view the depth on the roster now at those three positions? Yeah, well, I think, and I think that that, I mean, it's a really good point to bring up is, I mean, everybody at this you know, time of year, no, everybody forgets about the players that you have, you know, on your team. Everybody just wants to talk about the players that are available in the draft. And uh, we've got a lot of really good football players on this team. Uh, we view the draft as an opportunity to supplement the guys that are currently in place here. So uh, I think at each one of those positions, we've got guys on the roster that we're excited about uh, them as players and, and looking forward to them competing for a spot. And then whoever we bring in, if we address those positions in the draft, they'll have the same opportunity that the guys in our building currently have, and that's an opportunity to compete. Specifically, how do you think how do you think that's that spot next to Malcolm Jenkins looks? I think we've got players there. I mean, we've got some guys that um, that have played. Um, and we're confident, and, and, and those guys will need to improve a little bit, but they'll have an opportunity to compete for that spot. We've got you know, enough people that are currently in place to do that. How do you feel about drafting an offensive tackle to start off at guard? Do you feel like that's a waste if he's a really good tackle, or it's, it's an, a bonus? No, I think it's, it's best player, his best role, um, how, they, how they fit best, and what can they do year one, you know, their first year here, to, to help the football team. So um, you know, you, we need good players at every position, so I don't, I don't view that as a wasted asset. Um, in terms of uh, position versatility, the more a player can do, the more valuable they are. So a guy that can play both guard and tackle is more valuable than a guy that can just exclusively play guard. A guy that can play maybe corner and safety, maybe a little bit more valuable than a guy that can only play safety. So, uh, and that, that's just with 53 man value, 46 man game day value. Uh, the more you can do, the more valuable you are. And you were here to Tim Tebow this week. Can you tell us what you saw, the changes maybe from the <coughs> time you saw and how he fits in? Yeah, we, we worked him out um, and we saw improvement from the last time um, that we saw him, we had exposure to him live uh, when he was with New England, when they practiced here. Uh, when we worked him out, we saw a great deal of improvement uh, with him. Uh, you know, Tim, we've got 68 players that are on our roster right now. Uh, Tim's one of 68. So he'll have an opportunity to compete uh, for a roster spot here. And uh, I've said this before, and uh, you know, this, this comes from Coach. I mean, his role will be determined by his performance. So we're, we're excited that he's a member of the organization. And uh, we're looking forward to him competing. Does the potential rule change uh, with point after touchdown influence that decision at all? There's been connecting the dots. <coughs> Tebow could potentially help in that. Is that was that part of the thought process? Uh, not 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 entirely, but I think again, you know, if, if that if that does come to fruition and there's a role there, um, you know, depending on his performance, that may dictate maybe he'll have a role in, the, in that capacity. You guys took wide receiver with two of your first three picks last year. It was obviously one of the deeper wide receiver classes in memory. What do you think of the, the class at, the, at that position this year? And is that one of, in your opinion, one of your top needs going into the next week? Uh, in terms of needs, uh, I think our, our, we have needs at a lot of different positions. That's no slight on any player that we have here. But we, you know, we have a need for good football players you know, at any position. Uh, the wide receiver position in this, in this draft, as I said before, uh, there, there's a lot of good players at that spot um, that, that could help us, that could improve. Um, 
and, and we, we've evaluated those guys accordingly. I think we've got them in the right spot. And you have uh, obviously needs that you're not expressing that you think are more than others. If it gets to that point and you're at 20, forget about top 10, and you see you can move up spot, you, you, have tar you will target some players. How likely or how heavy will the discussion be to try to move up? I mean, I know you tried to do it last year, and this is you ended up with what you ended up with. But how likely is it to try a little harder to move up if you have targeted certain players and you know they might not get the 20, but they're within range? Yeah, and I think that those are things as the board starts to come off, you know, you start to get a feel for, um, you know, what players may or may not be there. Um, but that's something that is just, it's an ongoing thing that you'll see as the board falls. Uh, there's certain players that obviously we've identified as really good fits for us uh, in the three criteria uh, that we talk about. They fit our system. Uh, they've got good skill set to play the position. They fit from an intangible standpoint. Uh, certainly, we're looking to acquire as many of those type of players as we can at all different levels, certainly at 20, uh, certainly in the first three rounds, but in all levels of the draft, we're looking to get those guys. Yeah, all right, you spent a great deal of time on the road um, your first few years here, last last year. Yeah, so uh, at, to, to kind of get a, a acquainted with college scouting from, from a national level, is that, is that right? You, you're yes. on the road a lot. What, yeah. what was the biggest benefit? What did you take most from that time? For what you're doing now. I, th I think anytime, anytime you can see a player live, uh, it's, it's of great value. You know, whether it's in season, you know, certainly at practice, you know, in their element, uh, to from a, not only from an evaluation standpoint, but the interaction, uh, how they practice. Uh, but anytime, there's no substitute for seeing a player live. You know, there's there's a lot of work that you can do on tape, uh, especially the way the technology is now. You get the tape so quick. Um, you know, you want to be efficient in terms of when you're going out and you're, and you're kind of targeting the players that you really need to, to take a look at. Uh, but anytime you see a player live, you see them move around, uh, you're going to know one way or the other. It's either going to confirm what you saw on tape or it's going to deny it, and then you're going to have to figure out a way of, okay, well, what, what, now we need to go back and figure out what needs to be addressed. But there's no substitute for seeing a player live. When you were interviewing for your job uh, here, this job, was your age part of – yeah, it was. You have to have answer any questions about that. Did they have any concerns about that? I never had to answer any questions about that. To me, um, age is not a factor in my opinion. I think if you look across um, all different professional sports, there's been a lot of people that have been either my age or younger that have been in in some good roles. And uh, I think to me, it's more about the experiences that you've had, uh, the people that you've been around, the habits that you've formed. Uh, to me, those are the traits and qualities that make you successful in this role. And uh, um, I've got a lot of improvement left to do. I've got, you know, I, I have that same approach that, you know, you never got it. You know, it, you're always looking to improve and develop. But uh, I feel confident that I'm uniquely prepared for, for this opportunity. And until this offseason, you and Chip hadn't been on the phones negotiating <laughs> trades and determining compensation, those things. What work do you put in to make sure that when draft day rolls around, uh, you know, to, for lack of a better term, you're not getting fleeced, you're getting the, the better end of these deals? Yeah, we've, we've done a lot. Of, we've had a lot of conversations with uh, people that have been inside the building and other, also people outside the building in terms of professional development, uh, some guys that have been helpful for us in terms of consulting uh, to making sure that we're, you know, we're up to speed on that. So I'm confident in terms of our preparation, and uh, we're, we're ready to go. Since Chip questions. has yeah. added these new duties uh, to his plate, how is he different? Is he he's, here longer? Does he talk to you differently? He's always here. So I don't think he's here any longer now than he is before. But he hasn't changed at all. Um, you know, his approach, I mean, he's a, he's a relentless worker. Um, you know, Chip's been a great guy for me uh, to have an opportunity to work with. Uh, he forces you to over-prepare. 
Uh, he's obviously extremely intelligent. Uh, he's very quick. Uh, so when you come to him with a certain topic or an idea or a suggestion on something, you know, you better be prepared with plan B, C, and D because of the feedback that you're going to get from him. So uh, I, I certainly don't think his approach has changed at all. Um, you know, we've had a really, uh, really, a really good round of meetings, you know, in terms of our pre-draft preparation uh, that's involved, obviously, you know, myself, Chip, and our entire staff, uh, both coaches and personnel. You've worked with all these great men. Is there any uh, great coaches? Is there anything that's different about him in this evaluation process than anybody else you've worked with as you have these meetings? I, I wouldn't say different. He's very thorough. Uh, he's very detailed. Um, he, he puts in the work. He puts in the time. Um, he's got a natural eye and knack for, for talent evaluation, which I think that not a lot of people have. You know, uh, there's, there's varying degrees of, of talent evaluators from a coaching perspective. Uh, Chip's unique in, in that regard. I mean, he's got, a, uh, he's got a really good eye for talent. Obviously, he's an exceptional play caller, so the combination of that, I think, makes, makes him pretty special. Chip, Chip's, Chip's, the, Chip's the guy that makes the decision. However, you get to a point, you've evaluated more than he has, because obviously you have the ability. When you get to that point, how much do you feel comfortable? And I know you're not in that situation to say, Chip, no, I think it's this guy, although Chip says, says it's this guy. How much are you willing to go to the wall for what you believe with what is your new boss right now? Yeah, I'm very comfortable in doing that. And I think that um, you know, the most important relationship in the building to me is one of the head coach and whoever's you know, the personnel director. And uh, there's got to be mutual trust and respect. Um, for both parties, uh, I told that to Chip. You know, we had that conversation before I accepted the position. Um, I've never been one to agree just to agree, uh, and I've got no problems, you know, speaking my mind. I've done the work. I'm confident in my preparation, and uh, and that's what Chip wants. I mean, he wants checks and balances. He wants to hear the opinions, uh, and we're in this together, and uh, we're going to make good decisions. Okay. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Thank guys. You.